Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. This week, we're joined by Gail Nozell from the Davy Resource Group. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Doug. We're going to talk all about how to identify trees. Now, you tell me if I'm right or wrong here. As someone who has spent their life, like you, researching trees, around trees, you can just look at a tree and always know what the species is? Well, for, for the most part, yes. I'm pretty comfortable with uh, trees in the upper Midwest, especially. And um, of course, always having good tools to identify trees in other parts of the uh, country or the world are also important too. So having some resources like dichotomist keys to figure out a species that you don't know is also good to have in your back pocket as well. So tell me about that. What is that, the, the, the keys? So a dichotomist key is essentially a tool that helps you make decisions on, you know, it's kind of like an if-then statement when it comes to math. So if a tree has um, leaves on it, it kind of points you towards a certain direction. If it has needles, it points you in, a, in another direction. So it helps you kind of define choice by choice. What, and it comes, and you, ultimately you come up with a, should come up with a species selection on what a tree is. So it's a scientific key. I've used it before and I, it usually puts me in the right direction. How about with our phones nowadays? Is there something on our phone that we can use? Absolutely. Yeah, there's many um, different apps that you can download um, that you simply take a picture, you know, open up the camera on your phone and take a picture and it will help to kind of ID that as well. So certainly probably a lot easier than using a dichotomous key, but that's what I that's what I learned on years ago. And it's funny, myself included, I, I use the keys too. Uh, you know, I do have the apps, but it just seems that I always go to the, you know, following that to, to figure out exactly, I guess it's just old habit. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to use the app more and more, especially, you know, out in the field with uh, early career professionals and because they're, you know, pretty savvy with the apps as well. So trying to trying to utilize those tools as much as possible. Tell me a little bit about what the Davy Resource Group is. So the Davy Resource Group is a subsidiary of the Davy um, Tree Expert Company. And we provide a lot of consulting services in the way of environmental consulting, asset management, as well as utility vegetation management and planning under utility lines. So it's so a whole gamut of services that for utilities, um, municipalities, commercial entities that really focus around consulting and providing quality uh, professional services to those types of clients. Do you have any trees that you can think of that are less used in the landscape than they should be? Is, is that something that you think about at all in your job? You know, I do definitely think about tree diversities on the minds of, of many urban foresters, especially as, you know, we've seen over the, over the years that, you know, many trees that have been overplanted, like elm trees, succumb to Dutch elm disease. Emerald ash borer, of course, is something that's, that's currently on our minds currently. And so many trees were planted in the 70s and 80s. And now, of course, have either died or are dying from emerald ash borer. 
So many urban forest planners and arborists are always thinking about that tree diversity is key to having that wide variety of species so they could overcome any insect or disease possibility. So I'm always looking for that going down a street, um, city street or in, in a woodland, trying to say what, you know, increasing the diversity is always important when you're thinking about tree planting. So for me, I'm always telling people for the East here, try a stewardia, try a stewardia because it's, it, you know, for me, it has the, the four seasons of interest. It's got the bark, it's got a nice shape, it's got good fall color, it's got flowers. Uh, but is there anything like that in your head when you think, boy, I wish people would plant this tree a little bit more because it's, it's, it's tough and it's pretty and it would give us more diversity in our forests. So in, a, in an urban setting, of course, sometimes we're, we could be limited by, um, by our surroundings. Um, but a lot of times, you know, those are things to think about as far as what does that seasonal interest looks like. So in, for example, um, river birch trees are, are planted on, on long street trees as well. But similar to the east, you know, they provide that winter interest with that uniquely um, bark that has kind of a salmon colored bark flaking. Um, and um, is it? it it's pretty tough. Um, there's some other elm species that while it doesn't have real flashy fall color, there's some ones that are resistant to Dutch elm disease. That's something we think about here a lot as well. There's also opening up a lot of options that we haven't tested here in the Midwest as much as, for example, redbud. It's been around for a long time, but now in Minnesota, in particular where I'm located, uh, there's hardy strains that are being planted all the time that now um, provide some nice spring flower interest that we probably couldn't have grown years ago. So definitely seeing a lot more variety and options than we used to. If it could make it in Minnesota, it could make it just about anywhere. It... It's a lot of cold hardiness research happening in here in North Dakota, especially. <laughs> if we're out in landscape, our own landscape, and I've learned while doing this podcast that uh, it's important to look up. I have a Davy Arborist coming tomorrow because I did look up. <laughs> When you're looking at trees, what are some signs that they're on the decline? So you'll find that arborists oftentimes are looking up more than they're looking down, which is always a challenge sometimes with our counterparts that do turf management. Um, but when we are looking up at the crown, I think that most arborists just by nature tend to always be be analyzing, you know, what type of tree is that? Boy, is it is it in good health? Is it in poor health? Um, at this time of the year, generally, most trees are looking to be in good health. A lot of the times we start to see some signs of stress um, is maybe a few months into the season, sometimes mid-summer. And a lot of times I look to see, you know, is the crown, you know, the area where all the leaves are, is it starting to thin? So are there kind of some visual holes in the canopy? Are perhaps the leaves maybe turning, you know, with in an area where there's fall color? Are they turning, you know, turning color earlier than they really should be? Um, also, you can look at the leaves to see, you know, are they perhaps smaller in size than they than they should be, um, especially when it comes to deciduous. Those are really the key indicators, you know, the canopy thinning, um, early fall color as well as smaller leaves. Um, when it comes to conifers, um, perhaps pine, spruce, uh, which are pretty common in most parts of the country, um, some of those, you can also look at something called shoot length. So that's kind of where the... Um, the end bud on a on a conifer, for example, you can look back at and see how many you can measure the distance between each growth spurt. Essentially, um, it's not the technical term, but um, between each where the end bud was and see how much growth there was. So a lot of times I'll look at that to see how much growth 
happened each year. And certainly if, if we have something from that family and you start to see it, and this is, I hear this all the time, turning brown from the bottom and working its way up, that's telling us something, right? Is that just getting old or? Well, it, it could be a number of things. Sometimes The first thing I think about is irrigation, um, especially on a conifer, is that perhaps maybe um, having a, a homeowner um, or other property manager looking at where, you know, turning the irrigation heads on and see where they're hitting. Oftentimes it's too much uh, moisture that's hitting those lower uh, branches, causing just the too much moisture and causing those to also sometimes shading. Um, there's spacing oftentimes is, is too close for many of the conifers. You know, when you plant them, when they're, when they're smaller and younger, boy, it looks like you get, get a lot in, but as they grow in, um, in size, oftentimes they can shade each other out as well. So, so definitely the irrigation and, um, and some shading can happen as well. And then of course our friend, the mower, um, <laughs> the lawnmower can certainly, uh, come in contact with some of those branches as well and cause the damage, especially close to the ground. And, and I guess too, we've got to go string trimmer. Well, if we talk about mower, we've got to <laughs> say, watch that string trimmer, people. It's absolutely, yeah. Those ni- that nice mulch ring helps to, as a visual clue to kind of keep those string trimmers back. But uh, as an arborist, a lot of times those, uh, the turf and uh, maintaining the turf is, is sometimes uh, becomes a head-on challenge a lot of times. And of course, in any issue with a tree, it's important to actually see it, you know, I could say just like we just did. I, you know, I said, Hey, it's, it's dying for it's, I think it's dying from the bottom and there's, you explain so many different possibilities, but it's important for somebody who knows what they're doing to look at the tree. That's why I'm having somebody who knows what they're doing, come over and look at my trees tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Seeing something in person is pretty critical. I've had so many conversations where Somebody said, well, this is happening. I'm saying, well, it, it could be this. However, it could be it could be something else. And so just being able to kind of physically be on site and examine it is really important. And also determine, you know, there might be some other diagnostics that, you know, perhaps visually it's not presenting as um, some stress, but perhaps taking some foliage samples and sending those into a diagnostic lab and even doing some soil testing are some t- great clues to indicate um what's happening that you may not be visually observing. And um, of course the, the trees can't really talk to us as well as, well as providing, they can provide more visual uh, clues to us. When people find out what you do, do you get a lot of questions? The people, you know, people are very surprised that even though, you know, trees and tree care has been around for a long time, people still get pretty surprised about, Oh, this is a career. Um, so it's definitely, I spent a lot of time talking to um, younger um, folks try to encourage them to go into arboriculture and urban forestry because it's out there around them all the time, but sometimes they don't even realize that there's a specific career path in that field. So it's definitely a passion of mine to encourage people to uh, to get out. And, and if they're especially interested in a career in the outdoors, to try it out, do an internship, see what, uh, see what it's all about. Well, I always love to ask, how did you find your way to this job? Well, I, you know, like a lot of uh, students in college, you know, enjoyed being outdoors and probably had a couple different majors before I settled on on urban forestry and, and transferred colleges in there as well. Um, I had an uncle um, that worked um, for the Fish and Wildlife Service as a forester, uh, but I definitely, I didn't want to be out in, he lived in Alaska, didn't want to be out in the forest per se. 
but I wanted more of an urban setting. So that's how I stumbled upon. Well, how do you come bring those together? And uh, the University of Minnesota had an urban forestry program, which uh, really brought my interests together. And that's where I've been ever since. Tell me a little bit about what you get out of doing this job. So I really get, you know, very passionate about the outdoors and I get a lot of satisfaction um, teaching others and talking to them about their trees and how they can care for them. And um, again, just kind of sharing that knowledge of the environment and how they can improve um, their surroundings by planting trees. There's so many different benefits of trees that uh, they provide in a commercial and residential setting from environmental benefits to economic to aesthetic benefits that I think it's important to even though many people think that they already know all those, it's important to keep uh, reminding them too about what those are, what those benefits are. As a tree expert, what are the things that drive you nuts when you drive around and see either new construction or newly planted trees, or even just just a general tree landscape? What are the, what are the things that really bother you when you're driving around saying, "I can't believe they put that tree there," or are doing this to that tree? So the the ten to th- the things that jump out to me, especially, continue to be kind of that the right tree in the right place. Really making sure that you've got proper tree selection for the setting, because simply, you know, it's not a one size fits all type of situation. So making sure that you're looking, doing soil tests in advance, and um, and and matching the right tree to the site. A lot of times, I'll see it's it's very easy, right, to just go and plant a, a bunch of maple trees and then a bunch of elm trees or pine trees. But it's really important, as we talked about earlier, with diversity to make sure that you're selecting the right tree for the right site. And then, of course, following up with proper planting um, procedures. The um, the International Society of Arboriculture has published some BMPs, best management practices, when it comes to many different facets of arboriculture. And one of those includes planting. And so following those planting best management practices is really important to survival. So it's not only selection but it's also following it through to the installation, of course, and aftercare of the tree as well. So those simple steps can really help the tree survive long-term. All right, Gail, great stuff. Thanks very much for all the information. And I will, of course, be looking up tomorrow when my (laughs) Davy Tree Guy comes. Thanks again. Well, thanks for having me, Doug. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Next week, we'll talk all about how to protect bark on those trees from trimmers and other tree dangers, too. As always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.